So, it's been a little rough lately. <laughs> when you go on your podcast and say that you think that your allergies are just your allergies being really bad and then it turns out you had COVID. I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm, I'm just a little sick. And then within the hour, that was wrong. I just, before we had recorded, I tested negative. And I tested negative for almost a full week with feeling kind of weird, but quarantining because I, I knew I'd been exposed to my sister who had COVID. So after a week of testing negative, when we were recording, I was like, yeah, it's just allergies. Boom. Next day, I test positive. I don't know who I got it from, and I started to feel weird, and I was testing, and I kept coming up negative until all of a sudden it was so positive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Me too. It went from, I would say, aggressively negative to then when I was positive, it was aggressively positive. There was no faint line. No, although it, was, it had to fade away for me, like a, like a sad mm. memory, just like <laughs> peeling off into the distance. <laughs> So anyway, Tracy and I had COVID, mm -hmm. and actually, foolishly, both of us having COVID and coughs and messed up voices were like, no, we can record a podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and that didn't go well. It didn't, especially with the COVID brain. I think that was really what did us in, is we just kind of couldn't read and kept stumbling over words, so it, we had to call it. We had to call it and take a break yeah no covid brain i asked my friend the other day how long can i claim covid brain after i had covid because mm -hmm. uh, either i was never all there or <laughs> it, it, it went away and never came back mm -hmm. i asked my mother the other day like when was the last time you weren't tired like, when tracy when was the last time you weren't tired i can't tell you because I made a comment to someone the other day that I was really tired, and they're like, "You are always tired." I'm, frankly, Tracy, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. Uh, you might want to look into that. And I was like, "Let me look into some multivitamins." And then the, <laughs> a few days later, I was like, "Oh, I'm so tired," and I was grumpy and in a bad mood and complaining about stuff, and. The next day, both you, Rowan, and Casey texted me like, hi, I hope your day is better today. <gasps> oh, no. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> That's not, that doesn't reflect great on me. So to answer your question, Rowan, I'm always tired. Called out. Yeah, no, same. I think I've been tired for at least a decade, which is a really long time. Although there is a COVID chunk in the middle of that, and by COVID I mean the the pandemic, yeah, which really gets weird about time. Oh my god, absolutely. Okay, so here's the thing. Basically, Tracy and I were struggling, mm -hmm. and we thought, how do we want to come back from being away for a hot second? The thing that makes us happy is our community. That's mm -hmm. the best part about podcasts. Do you remember when both of us were like, no one's ever going to listen and we'll never talk to other people. And now we constantly message each other. Sometimes we we talked about like, oh, no one's going to listen. But let's be real. We were like, we are such big nerds about talking about history and mythology. 
someone's going to nerd out with us. We know it. Like, it was more right. of like, we know this is possible. Do we have it yet? No, we don't have it yet, but we know we can. And then that was like our attitude into it. it was, please join us. Please. <laughs> so we wanted to make a Listener Legends episode because mm-hmm. we we love our listeners. Actually, while we're talking about that, my aunt called me the other day and she said a friend of hers mm-hmm. uh, let her son listen to our podcast and the son is on the spectrum mm-hmm. and she was really looking for media that he would enjoy mm-hmm. and he listened to our Cerberus episode, Cerberus, Kerberos, and Kyle. And <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot that that was what we called them. <laughs> and sorry, it's so funny every time to me. So he immediately started looking for Cerberus books at the library and started researching more about Cerberus and got so excited. And now she's looking for more episodes of ours to play for him that he'll be into. <laughs> and I am so flattered. Oh my That's peak God. compliment. That's peak compliment as it just, I don't know. It speaks to my heart because I was that kid that like hyper fixated on weird nerdy topics like ancient egyptian religion and and apparently this nine-year-old is very discerning about the media he consumes so i feel as if it is extra complimentary i'm genuinely i like <laughs> might cry like the little nerdy kid in me getting to inspire someone else and see that like this stuff is so cool and so fun and so interesting mm-hmm. you're just, just really nice <laughs> I knew you'd like that story. I'm literally, like, kicking my legs back and forth in my seat in joy, like, holding my face. Hold on. I'm sorry to derail what is an otherwise really emotional moment. <laughs> Does that mean that your feet don't touch the ground in your desk chair? Um, I can kick them forward and then kick them back and forth. But, no, they, like, they're not... F- okay. They're not flat Look on me the in my eyes. <laughs> they... T- <laughs> 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 they touch the ground. Can I lay them flat on the ground? <laughs> no. If I flex them up, are they off the ground? Yes. Tracy, everyone knows that toddlers in those bouncy chairs, they're supposed to be able to be flat-footed on the bottom when they bounce. It's not good for their if calves. You, if you... <laughs> I've never been roasted this hard in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Rowan Hall, and both my feet touch the ground, flat-footed, in my office chair. Boom. (laughs) Hi, I'm Tracy Harrison, and I'm here to officially announce that my feet don't touch the floor right now in my office chair. And this is Willing and Fable, the podcast that brings you original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating, plus a few spicy roasts. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Each week, typically, we research a topic from history or mythology, and then we write an original tale to go along with that topic. This week, we're taking stories from all of you and then telling them back to you, so... So you're welcome. But if you'd like to support all of the fun shenanigans that we have on this podcast, please consider ordering some of our cool merch, which has phrases like, we get it, you're goth, and 
drink whiskey, and rant about history, as well as many other fun designs that were done by Jamie Harrison, who was on the podcast last week. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was fun. I, speaking of roasts, am getting roasted for not knowing that Hot David of the Statue of David is David from David and Goliath. Do you know how many people in my life have come up to me and asked me, like, D did Rowan really not know who David was? <laughs> or more hilariously, just coming up to me and saying, I listened to the most recent episode and I love Hot David. He's hot, David. Well, and then and then the third category of people is, are the people who were like, I had no idea either. To all of those people, the people who like me just thought Michelangelo was like, you know what this dome needs? A hot David. This religious. <laughs> Did you think it wasn't uh, in no way like a religious statue, but that it was, you know, like one of those things where. Oh, the model was named David, so it, you name it the piece of art, that thing? Yes, 100%. I thought that they were just like the powers that be. We're like, Michelangelo's amazing. He's world famous. Let's let him put a hot person up here. Right. Like It's like it's ancient. It's Roman. It's calling back to that kind of thing. Yes. And then Michelangelo was like, yes, this is the hot young twink I've been sleeping with. His name is Hot David. <laughs> My thing is, I I wouldn't say I was on that end of it. I knew it had to be from kind of a, a religious story. Um, you know, I think the Pieta and, and other pieces. Like, the art in that time was always, they were telling the same stories over and over again or depicting the same images over and over again. Right. So I knew that, but could I have pulled David and Goliath out of my head compared to like, I don't know, sometimes there's stories about people that I've never heard or there are characters in stories that I don't know well enough to know that it's a character from that story. Right, right, right. So I thought maybe, okay, there's a David in the Bible somewhere. It's it's from a David in the Bible. And like that was sort of where I was at. I would be willing to bet, and I should know this, but all I can think about is hot David, that there's more than one David in the Bible. <laughs> I, I think there has to be, or there's like a story of David that's later on. God, this is so right. bad. We should know. We're like, you oh, we grew up Catholic. For a little bit, yeah. God, I was so jealous when you had your first communion because all the little girls got their cute little frilly white dresses. I really did not think about the fact that you were all marrying Jesus, but I wanted the dress so bad. Were we marrying Jesus? <laughs> I don't I don't remember a GD thing about my first communion. I don't remember anything about uh CCD. Um and I'm like I listen, I would say sorry mom cuz my mom listens to this podcast uh every week. Um but she knows she knows I don't remember a a a, a dang thing from all of that and she's the reason we stopped going to church cuz she rock out mom was like it is ridiculous that my daughters are being taught this that they're not equal to men and that you know you can't have women up in the church and the story you know she just hated all of that my father i think is pretty bummed out that like we don't you know he comes from the irish catholic family so i think he'd be bummed out about it but so unfortunately according to this david w who i don't think it has any degree or, mm -hmm. or qualifications on Quora, he says that 
there's only one David mentioned in the Bible. Only the one story? Apparently. Y'all, um, we got totally derailed because we are so <laughs> excited to be talking to each other after both having yes. slept for a year and a day. We do have a mythology podcast. Uh, as you can see, we like to learn on the fly. Also, if you want to support that mythology podcast, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash Fable. Or we we really hope that you tell – oh, yeah, I'm going back to this one. Tell your high school bully – about our podcast, please. We, I would be tickled. I have not told my high school bully, but I would be willing to do it if someone told me that they did. Um, and thank you so much to everybody who's been telling us personal stories about listening to the podcast, like our family friend whose son listened. Tracy, do the thing. Okay. Or, you can find an old childhood favorite in a used bookstore. Open it up. Fall inside and go on an adventure of your dreams. But for now, we're just happy to have you here. And of course, Tracy and I couldn't be ridiculously giddy to be talking to each other without talking about the fact that in our current D&D campaign, where I actually got to see Trace in person recently, mm -hmm. and our artist Jamie, and our composer Taylor, and our sometimes guest Casey, <laughs> and our new friend Grace, um... Whenever we play that campaign, we always fill the table with our Greenleaf Cake dice, and everyone uses them. You were so excited to get to play with my dice, because you hadn't mm -hmm. played with the Thea dice before. I played the entire session with your Thea dice that I have ne had never seen in person. Right. And the gold flecks are what really did me in. So Leah layered in these custom resin dice, just so many different beautiful types of glitter, but then occasionally you get like a nice big gold fleck and mm -hmm. there are all these objects hidden within them. I don't think I let you touch them not one single time during that session. I played with my metal dice. <laughs> <laughs> so you played with the Thea dice and Taylor, our rogue, played with my Medusa dice, which means that I, I had my metal dice and i was so mad because my metal dice betrayed me the whole night i rolled fours across the board yeah that's because i had the thea dice taylor had the medusa dice and then we all had scads of d6s some of which were also from greenleaf geek and you got left out in the cold babe well no not quite because you were really nice and eventually you tossed the thea dice at me because it was rolling really well Yes, I got multiple nat 20s. Anyway, if you also want multiple nat 20s, Leah's commissions are open if you would like custom handmade resin dice based on your requests, or if you would like to check out her curated dice, her collection of absolutely fantastic geeky materials, including things to help you keep track of your spell slots, your score, mm -hmm. to bring your dice to your games. It's awesome. Go to greenleafgeek.com or check out at greenleafgeek on Instagram and Twitter. And TikTok. And TikTok. And when you shop, use the code FABLE, that's F-A-B-L-E, for 10% off your order. Some restrictions apply. Okay. So... Tracy, you've never read any of these. No, I haven't. I avoid the listener legends and Rowan kindly reads through them and curates these episodes for me. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start us off. This is from Megan K. It's called The Sporup Sanitarium. 
She writes, I was on to something. I saw the Craigslist ad, Haunted Property for Sale. This was going to be my breakthrough. I'd been working two years in real estate. Granted, I still had a nine-to-five as a social worker, so I wasn't too upset that the amount of deals I'd done were equal to the number of years I'd been in the business. The property was described as a haunted mental hospital. As a current social worker at a mental health residence, I knew nothing the dead could muster could come close to my day job lovelies. I work with folks who are truly haunted by internal commanding thoughts, paranoia, and sometimes godlike fixed beliefs. This was going to be a perfect merging of my two passions, helping people and turning something well-loved into something beautiful. I got to work. I talked to the current owners. I looked up the previous owners. I called around and did my due diligence. I found the previous owner's daughter. She was heartbroken that after the death of her father, the property was sold. I offered condolences and supported her with hope that the property could one day be a thriving and supportive assisted living residence. An architect had already drawn up the plans. I knew people in the biz, etc. She went on to tell me that Haunted was not the property's only claim to fame. It had also been a cult residence and a pedophile haven. Oof. The property was not well loved. I was able to convince the owners and a local contractor to tour the property with me. We visited the haunted mansion on a clear, sunny day in the spring. Outside, birds were chirping. There was a glow the way the sun shone through the oak trees. Despite bleeding from my ankles to my knees after the trek around the 13-acre property in my work flats, I believed this property would be the one. My colleague was also with me. She took every step that I did that day. When we got back to the office, she mentioned how uneasy the place made her feel. When I asked her to explain, she pointed out the writing and scratch marks on the walls, the boarded-up hallways, the chill she got from the brook where they believe a woman died, the way my legs were so badly ripped to shreds by the blackberry brambles as though the property didn't want us to be there. The property is still on the market. Unfortunately, people aren't able to look past its charm. And then she sent us an article, which I checked out, and there are so many terrifying things that have gone there in the past, so I'm going to put that in the show notes in case anyone wants to read more. I'm going to have to check that out because that sounds so interesting that I can just – first of all, that was so well written. I could just picture the feeling you get when you're in a place that just doesn't feel right, and then also just ooh, the brambles. I hate that feeling on your legs. When they get all caught. Imagine working in an assisted living facility, say, and then just everybody knows about the ghost that wanders the halls at XYZ time or joins everyone for breakfast or whatever. I feel like that would be – I for some reason, that scenario feels extra scary. Mm-hmm. I think because – I don't know. It's, I, it's like a ghost where you don't expect it to be. I don't also, because if you're in assisted living, like it is, you're a more vulnerable person, and yes. for some reason, that then a ghost feels really menacing. Yes, yeah, that's a, that's the perfect way to put it. Oof, that was a good story. Okay, all right, this next one is mine. This one was sent in by Sarah W L. The title is "My Mother's Prophetic Dream." My mother bought my early childhood home in the early 90s from a man who owned our small town market store down the street. 
Who's to say this house had any touch of remodeling to its original 1970s Rambler charm before she purchased it? The counters resembled that of my grandmother's, that white-flecked laminate many of us probably grew up with. The hardwood floors were covered with brown carpet and many of the walls boarded with bare wood. (laughs) The windows grew drafty over time and the lighting was dark, but it was home. My mother, being the fully independent, incredibly driven, and absolutely stubborn woman that she is, has always been one to make full, lavish meals in her kitchen. But as she grew comfortable in her new home, she found that one staple was missing. A pull-out cutting board. As soon as she realized a pull-out cutting board was missing, she dwelled on it. So much so that one night she dreamed that she was using a pull-out cutting board in her current kitchen, located in the absolute perfect spot right next to the dishwasher. She awoke to remember her revelation in the dead of night. In a fit of frustration and possibly insanity, she stormed into the kitchen, found some sharp utensil, I'm not sure what, and began sawing away at the laminate countertop ledge above the stack of drawers next to the dishwasher. To her sweet relief, hiding underneath the lip of the laminate countertop, just where she had dreamed it would be, was a perfect slide-out cutting board. She has since replaced the countertop, but all throughout my childhood, I remember the ragged, cut-out edge just the exact size for that pull-out cutting board. I have so much respect for that absolutely feral behavior. Yes. (laughs) And then getting what you dreamed of. I, it's for me, it's the ragged edge to just carve into it. Yeah, it's ballsy move. Knowing that it's going to be there. And it was. I've lived in so many apartments, including where I currently live, that has pull-out cutting boards. And I have never used it. I don't like them. I have never lived where there's a pull-out cutting board and really didn't know that a lot of places had them until reading the story. I can't imagine they're very good. I think of you as being more kitchen-y than me, so I picked that for you because <laughs> I I can't imagine you cutting into a countertop, though. I think you think I'm a lot more put together than I am. I'm feral sometimes. I mean, I try. I never cut into a countertop with, like, nothing underneath. But, like, it's not always the perfect cutting board. Yeah, but don't you have that cutting board that has, like, little slots that you put stuff in when you're done? Like, that is not the cutting board of someone who would cut laminate to access a cutting board that no, might not be God, there. No, No, <laughs> there's, like, sometimes I'll cut something into a paper towel when I know I should be using a cutting board. And then there's... <laughs> carve it intentionally carving into my own home in a destructive way oh yeah and i i pulled a move god i shouldn't do this uh where you cut the thing on the plate and you're like i just have to get really slow when i get close to the plate Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. (laughs) it's always a scratch it's always like the worst sound you ever heard i just rotate the thing so there's no you never cut at the bottom like a loaf of bread Oh, okay. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. <laughs> I I would love to know if this mom was then like, I have prophetic dreams. No one can mess with me. I don't know if they did, but I certainly would. 
So Sarah W.L. wrote in two stories, and I Mm -hmm. liked both of them so much that I am now going to read the second story that she sent us. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited. It's called Brian the Mischievous Ghost. (laughs) My husband and I just recently purchased a house nestled in the woods of the Pacific Northwest this last summer. As we were waiting the everlasting 45 days before closing, I came up with what-ifs and joked about the house being haunted. My husband wasn't too keen on the idea, but I grew up in a house that experienced paranormal activity, so I barely batted an eye as I poked fun. Lo and behold, when we received the documentation for the house in the final days before closing, we found a death certificate included Mm. in the paperwork. In 1997, the owner's husband died of a heart attack in the house. Our potential ghost now had a name. Brian. After finally moving everything in, we chalked up the creeks to be the noises of a new house we were unfamiliar with. We've never felt unwelcome in our home. But it didn't take long for us to start noticing odd things. My favorite pair of crafting scissors disappeared for months only to turn up in the dog accessories basket in the closet when I voiced my concerns about losing them. Our keys would end up in the garage despite us only using the front door to come and go. We couldn't blame these misplacings on the chaos of moving anymore. Now things have become a little more apparent. An odd door separated what could be considered a master suite off the kitchen, a hallway with a bathroom, bedroom, and some closets. Only when my husband, never myself, would go into the bathroom, the door to the hallway would be closed when he came out. It happened so frequently that we ended up removing the door entirely. (laughs) Not long after we removed the door, the power went out for the first time. It's inevitable for the power to go out in a wooded neighborhood during a windy autumn season, so we lit tall tapered candles in the kitchen, turned on some bright flashlights, and stood them up on their ends to shine against the ceiling, and had just enough light to snuggle up on the couch and eat our dinner. Out of the corner of our eye, we both noticed, at the same moment, the flames of the candles and the flashlights start to flicker wildly. There was no power, no windows open, and nothing explainable to cause everything, including battery-operated flashlights, to flicker simultaneously on the other side of the room. We looked at each other curiously, to which I then asked, sass included, Hey Brian, could you not do that, please? As if in response, the flickering immediately stopped. Now, we talk to Brian. We blame him for the things we cannot find, only for them to show up days later. One day, I was so frustrated knowing that I had put a new unopened bottle of makeup primer in the bathroom and asked Brian what he did with it. After I finished my makeup, I went downstairs to work in my office, only to hear distinctive footsteps on the floor above me, the dining room and the master bedroom. I even checked to see if my husband's car was in the driveway, wondering if he had come home early, only to find that I was, in fact, alone in the house. I found the makeup primer in the garage a couple days later. My most recent experience was probably my most chilling because of the proximity. We had a large amount of snowfall at the end of December and again a few days later in January. I woke up early and shoveled the driveway, but when I attempted to leave my steep driveway, I found myself stuck at the bottom of my hill. I marched back inside the house to my husband sleeping on the couch and made myself breakfast. 
I sat at the dining room table eating my bagel and sipping my coffee when a creaking sound came from the master bedroom hallway only a couple feet away. I stopped mid-chew, pulled out my phone, and recorded the sound. Clicks and pops of what could have been the hinges of a door came from the now-empty doorframe. This went on for minutes until our dog barked at a neighbor from the living room. I tell my friends of my ghost, Brian, and the things we've encountered so far, and they often ask how we managed to stay, staying they would have probably left the house by now. I've never felt any malevolent intent, but a rather mischievous demeanor. Brian would have been in his late 50s when he died, so I fully believe he was a trickster of an old man. He just wants to mess with us in harmless ways, making his presence known, and allow us to share the space together. Okay, I know that was a long one, but I had to include the entire thing because I love ghosts. But, I mean, you had to include the entire thing. That was, I was hooked start to finish, and I gasped a few times. Oh my god. I mean, first of all, like, the the, the way they handled it is so cool. Um, your fun, spunky roommate, Brian. All the little things of, like... You, that was so good. I don't even have words. I don't even have words. That was so, such a good story. I'm glad you put the whole thing in there. I feel like I would get so mad if a ghost was taking my makeup. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Do you ever, when you like put something somewhere and you know it's not there, or like, well, I like got out of my bed for something, like went, grabbed something, came back, and there was like a little pin, like a push pin that was like sitting where I was. Mm-hmm. Not loud. I was like, hey, I don't like that. I don't like that that was there. Like, do you ever just, like, talk around you? You're like, eh, on the off chance. Yeah, um, my current townhouse is so distinctly unhaunted mm-hmm. uh, that I don't bother. But in my old apartment, um, the TV would turn on sometimes or the lights would flicker. Mm. And my bedroom door and my walk-in closet door would creak open sometimes. And I never had anything that dramatic. I just, when I misplace things, I blame it on some ambiguous ghost. That's really what oh. it is. I think the th- thumb thing fell from the construction by the house. <laughs> well, when the doors would creak open in my room or something, I would just go, stop that. Did they stop? Yeah, every time. Oh, my God. I would just go, hey, I'm changing. You can't open the door right now. Would it like creak back shut or would it just stop? No. It would just stop. Kind of dead stop. Like there's no swing. It was just like, okay, I'm done now. That's insane. Yeah. (laughs) I miss my ghost. And when I left that apartment, I actually like cleared everything out, cleaned it out, and then specifically was like, goodbye. Thanks for all the fish. Like I specifically Mm -hmm. said, God, what? deep cut hitchhiker's cut account um anyway i specifically took time to be like goodbye be nice to the next person who lives here did you ever like put something down and then go back and it was missing and then you'd said like hey i need that and it came back or was it mostly just the door for me it was just the door i had a roommate uh for a while and her boyfriend didn't like my side of the apartment he thought it was spooky um, and sometimes he would put things down and they would disappear, but it was almost always stuff like they'd order takeout mm-hmm. and he'd put down the ketchup packets and then the ketchup packets would be gone. Like it'd be really inconvenient, but stupid. Oh, stuff. yeah. It always is. Yeah. But not me. Huh. I made friends with your, your ghost. Yeah. I feel like we got along, especially cause I, I would be like, knock it off. Yeah. Like, Needed a firm hand, that ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that was such a good story. I'm so glad you added that in. Thank you for writing that in. 
Thank you for writing in two really good stories, Sarah. Yes. This next one was sent in by Erica B. Title is Ghost Realtor. Okay, no big deal, but in case you've noticed, we've gone from real estate to haunted house, now to ghost real estate. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> I love the thought you put into these. They're always a, such a, like, I want a throughput. I want a line. I want a story. A throughput? <laughs> no, like a theme. <laughs> I like that way of saying it. Okay. Sorry, Through go, go. line, I think, is the word I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I totally interrupted you because I was like, hello, this is my hot David. I am the Michelangelo. (laughs) No, I feel like I am that where I was like throughput instead of through line. Anyway, this title is Ghost Realtor. When I was little, I knew deep in my bones that my parents' master bathroom was haunted. But the ghosts were only around after dark, presumably because that's when they got back from work. Every time I had to get something from that bathroom at night, I had two options to survive the encounter. First, run as fast as my little legs could carry me down the length of the (laughs) long hallway lined with doors, and don't look back as I slapped the light switches on as I ran in and off as I ran out. Second, negotiate. How does a seven-year-old negotiate with the family of ghosts living in their parents' bathroom, you might ask? Well, she proclaims her kindness and that she means them no harm. And if only they would leave her alone, she wouldn't tell her parents that they lived here. (laughs) After about a year of avoiding my parents' bathroom at night, I overheard from the adults on Halloween that the house across the street was abandoned. This is when I hatched my plan. Operation Ghost Realtor. The next time I absolutely had to go into that bathroom at night, I got to work selling the ghost family on the lovely, big, abandoned house just across the street where they could spread out and not be bothered by anyone. Each subsequent time I went in, I found more ways to sell the other house to my ghost family. Then one night, about a month later, I could sense they were no longer in the bathroom. I went up to the window, climbing on the counter to see out of it, and waved to the house across the street, wishing the ghosts well in their new home. Erica. I am so in love with this story because one, that first half of like, okay, I have to... I my house growing up I felt like was haunted. I had just always would get those like spooky vibes as a kid. So I would do this where I'm like if I had to go from my bedroom to the bathroom, it would be like, okay, run, turn the lights on, run get as fast as you can and like Oh, a hundred percent. So like I love that they included that and then the the negotiate is brilliant. They were peak child truly erica uh, okay so when i was little i was always you know you gotta run because that's the way of yes. childhood i had an older kid and i wish i could remember who it was because i would call them up and tell them what they did to me but they said you know if you run then they start chasing you so as long as you don't run they can't get you and when i tell you That has followed me into my adulthood. Now, like, I would 
be scared like in my dark basement mm-hmm. and I would walk as slow as possible, terrified because they wouldn't get me unless I started running. Mm. Do you think it's more like a walk with confidence and they think they can't bother you? Or is it like dog logic where if you run, they want to chase you because they're prey drive, but if you just walk around, that doesn't kick in and they stay calm? I think it's dog logic. And I mostly felt that this rule applied to like monsters that I thought lived in the dark. And Mm. so I would just imagine like things with teeth are really scary walking behind me, just like waiting for me to run. And then they just, you know, eat me or something. Yeah. But you were fast enough to outrun them before you you know, hatch that plan, the less stressful plan. <laughs> Just the idea of saying, okay, you're going to live in the house across the street. Just selling it. And every, and this went on. They said it was multiple times they went in to sell that house. Erica, you are the most brilliant child I could ever think of. Their story, their story is amazing. I don't know what else to say. Okay, so the next one is from Maria R. The title is The Reason I Don't Like Porcelain Masks. Ooh, okay. Hello, lovely podcast patrons. I guess I buried these memories deep in my psyche until listening to the Listener Legends episode. This is when I was five, so this will not be the most articulate and a bit short. so cute (laughs) my mother had bought those porcelain theater masks you know the ones secondhand i do not remember exactly when it started but i remember extremely vivid nightmares that i remember to this day because of it i weirdly cannot watch edward scissorhands i would wake up every night with bloody noses scratches and bruises my mother and her ex-husband would wake up with bruises on their arms as well Finally, my mother threw the masks out, and then everything stopped. As I said, I was five, so I do not remember how long this went on for, but I guess it was long enough for me to try to repress it and have weird phobias. (laughs) To this day, I cannot look at porcelain masks and just started being able to buy things from thrift stores without fear of it being haunted. Thanks, Maria. I hate it. This is like a fear of mine because I would watch those ghost shows where they're like, oh, we brought this piano from an estate sale and suddenly things around our house. So like a fear of mine is that of like buying something and then like chaos around your house starts to have a that level when you're five years old. I'm I don't think you repressed it and had weird phobias. I think it sounds like it stuck with you a little bit. (laughs) This is poltergeist status. Yes. Or the doll, Chucky. Chucky, right? Yeah. Yeah. You buy a thing and then you... That's so scary. Like... Okay. Sorry. For for me, for some reason, this is way creepier than a ghost. I don't see them as that different, I think. Okay. Okay. Like ghost mask thing? Yeah. I mean, like ghosts and poltergeists. To me, like, I think my... When I get like, ooh, I get spooked about ghosts. I think it's to me any ghost could feel like it's a poltergeist at any moment. Mm-hmm. Or like, I, you know, I don't know if it means me harm kind of thing, like a poltergeist. I don't know what the rules are. I have no idea. I don't know if there are rules. Maybe there are rules. <laughs> don't buy a porcelain mask. If you have a ghost, see if you can pitch it the house across the street. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't buy the haunted sanitarium. Negotiate and then run. Right, right, right. 
Okay, so Tracy, this is the last one. It's local-ish. It's statewide local mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was sent in by Chris, and it's titled The Ghost of Bruno. I've got a local legend you might like. My university, specifically Barron College in Erie, PA, is built on land gifted to the university by a farming family. That family had a dog named Bruno. A portrait of Bruno hangs in the university dining hall, but the spooky urban legend part is that Bruno is buried on campus at an event space called the Wilson Picnic Grove. Supposedly, if you are at the Picnic Grove at night, you can hear Bruno's ghostly barking in the distance as he barks (laughs) to scare you away from stepping on his grave. Students sometimes go there at midnight, especially on Halloween, and the time I was there, there was indeed some distant barking. Was it a living pet in some distant house howling at the moon? Skeptics may think so. But I think it was Bruno warning me away from treading on his unmarked grave. <laughs> oh, a good boy now and then, just just doing his guard duty business. I I imagine it's very much a distant but local dog barking, but I love the idea of people at this college taking like underclassmen on harmless to be clear Mm -hmm. harmless like a spooky little harmless walk at night yeah being like do you hear the ghost puppy (laughs) (laughs) i just what a good boy to protect his property all throughout turn like what if he just thinks they're all sheep and he's like a herding dog he protect he attack he die and then come back I mean, yeah, she nailed it in one. (laughs) Oh my god, that's like the darkest t-shirt ever, but like a little skeleton dog. (laughs) Protect, he attack, he die, and come back. A little skeleton pup. (laughs) Is it bad that I love that and I would wear it and it's so cute? Okay, anyway. Along with reading some of your listener legends, we also wanted to answer some questions that you have for us. Y'all came through with the questions, too. We got a whole bunch of really good ones. Yes, I am so excited to talk through these. And honestly, we got so many good ones, I'm not sure we'll be able to get through all of them in a reasonable amount of time. So we might save some of your questions for another episode. So if you sent one in and we didn't answer it here, it might be because... We'll answer it in a future episode. Okay, so here are some from the Q&A that we posted for our patrons. Patrons, thank you so much. We we truly do absolutely adore you. Yes, um, we do. So, Trace, these are my three favorites. Okay. Okay, this is so specific. Okay, can you list three books that either expanded your perceptions or changed your mind on old ideas? Three. Oh, oh, okay. It doesn't have to be your definitive only three, let's say. Let's just think of three off the top of your head because that's so high stakes. I know. Okay, so I think my first one would have to be the children's book, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. My dad, my parents really, but my dad specifically 
thought it was really important to read to us as kids every single night before bed. So those books were a big part of my childhood, you know, The Hungry Caterpillar, The Polar Express. Mm -hmm. But it was Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day that my family loved. My dad actually has a copy of it in every office that he works at. And I bought myself a copy as well to keep at my desk at work. And you sent me a copy. I, I do. I When people are having a rough time or they get a fun new job or something, I always send it to them to say it's the most important book you'll have in your collection. And so that one is just always meant a lot to me. But for changing my perspective, I would say I think probably something like Outlander, which is still one of my favorite books, allowed me to be comfortable saying like, I love romance novels. And now, mm-hmm. you know, I'm such a big fan. Like everyone knows, and especially our patrons in the, the library channel know I'm a huge, huge, huge big nerd around um, romance novels and fantasy novels. And then, oh, there's so many others that I want to do. I think the last one will be um, Shakespeare sonnets because I thought nerd. I know <laughs> it's not the reason. It's not because like oh, I, like it's the. Pr- greatest writing of all time no it's because i i didn't think i was smart enough to be able to understand his style of writing and and appreciate it Mm -hmm. and getting more comfortable doing that and realizing that it was beautiful writing and i really loved it was a huge moment for me because i grew up with such brilliant sisters and my twin sister is brilliant and I was still kind of developing that, like, who am I? Am what do I like in life? And and then like getting into Shakespeare really young, really solidified that I was smart enough to like these kinds of stories and understand that. Hmm. Yeah, I. The, it's tough because I feel like so many books change our perspectives all the time. You and I just talk right. about books all the time, right? Okay, so I would say off the top of my head, one is Tunnel in the Sky by Robert A. Heinlein. That was a... Ooh, a Heinlein. He, not the Heinlein I would have expected you to choose. Did you think I was going to say Moon is a Harsh Mistress? No, I thought you were going to say Stranger in a Strange Land. Yeah, okay, yeah. <clears throat> I do love that book. I read a lot of Heinlein when I was young because my dad gave them to me. Um, he wrote young adult novels. People mm-hmm. forget that all the time. So, But the one, the first like one that really captured me it was before I read Stranger in a Strange Land or any of the rest. It was Tunnel in the Sky and it was this adventure where these young teenagers basically get put in a strange place and they have to live and create a society. And mm. it was the first time that I just remember thinking about like what is my role in society? Mm. Oh yes. And it's also violent and science fictiony and there's this right really badass female character who's described as death in every direction because she's just the strongest bestest fighter and so that's a phrase in my family like when we're trying to be when my dad's trying to encourage me to be like oh i love confident (laughs) um night circus by aaron morgenstern i think people not us maybe don't want to qualify like fantasy fantasy as perspective changing but that I book, said outlander like I, i'm so on board with right. what you're, you're thinking through i read that book so often i find myself going back to it and then y'all i don't want to be 
stereotypical of myself. I'm not going to say Cersei for that exact reason, but Fairies by Brian Frood was a book that was my mom's that I just had all the time and I would always poke around in and it just, when I first read it, it was encyclopedic. Mm -hmm. This book was as lawful as Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. And so, okay, okay, yeah. I had a very unique experience with it, yeah. so I would have to say. I have one more I have to add the more that I think about it, and then I won't go down this rabbit hole anymore. Okay. But the next one I would add is, and this might shock you, Gideon, Gideon the Nine and Harrow the Nine. I am not shocked in any way. <laughs> Compared to the other ones that I chose, I'm like, oh, really? Out of all the books you've read? But the writing style of that book and the, the way that Tamsin Muir broke the rules of writing and it worked and made this incredibly compelling story blew my mind to i can't i'm not gonna spoil anything but like the the way that she concluded the first book incredible and the emotions it drew out of me and then for the second book it's a good chunk of that book is written in second person and that's so rare and they're not the whole thing is second person so it to break those rules made me get more creative with our writing and so that was something that i really loved so the next question that I pulled from our patrons, and this is a goof kind of, mm-hmm. um, when can we have a very indulgent themed tea party? Um, and so I'm actually posing this to you, Trace, as like, how can we come up with a way to have an online indulgent themed tea party? Ooh. This, I don't think you can answer this right now, but I would, as the person who pulled these, I would like you to think about it long term. Okay. I, I will genuinely think long and hard about it and get back to you. Also, and I don't know who put this in, but I would like to thank them because um, it's what is it like being some hotties, respectfully, and uh, parentheses respectfully. respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> and I really listen, patron. Thank you, middle school me is so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I wouldn't have adored this if it didn't very much say like respectfully, as in like you know like I'm looking respectfully. Yes. <laughs> what is it like? <laughs> um, it, it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That's about it. That's about. That's about right. It, it is. It is no thoughts, vibes only. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked our followers on Instagram to send in their questions, and Rowan, these are the ones that I pulled. And you pulled so many more than me, which I kind of love because I also pulled from an additional email you don't know about yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The first one is, if you could use one D&D spell in real life, what would it be? Oh. Oh, no. Okay, I'm sure. I am certain that there are more useful, more important Mm -hmm. spells, but it would be Spider Climb. I use Spider Climb so often in D&D. To Ender's Game fights. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That is what you do. I want that for my real life. Am I in fights where it would be applicable? Absolutely not. But I do want that. I would say in a like similar vein, I would want to fly. I oh. love when my characters can fly. Is fly just the cooler version of spider <laughs> It's just a different version. Mage Hand might be good too, though. I think I could get a lot done with Prestidigitation. Yes, you really could. Yeah. 
Or even minor illusion. But I wouldn't be nice about that one. Okay, if we have to pick one, I think instead of fly, I might go mage hand. I'm sorry, I have to stick with spider climb. <laughs> I, if, if it is available to that character, I have never built a character that doesn't have spider climb. That's funny. <laughs> I don't really do a lot of spellcasters, so I don't even know what all the spells are. I love that for you. <laughs> what do you think of modern myths? Not just retellings, but new myths that have thrived around the world. Oh. I, to be honest, I don't think about them at all. I just group them in with the old myths. I'm just, they fall under this heading of mythology. And I mean, from a writing perspective, you and I really do try to put things in the time period they came from. So I would consider that. But as like their own class, I don't separate them. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think time also helps tell. How long does it last? And, you know, we call things myths today, like the myth of this and, you know, this big story, the mythology around this person, that kind of thing. But I think it's just going to take time. But I have no problems with modernness. And I love seeing new epic stories come up that we can think of as modern myths. Like, I think that could get really, really exciting. I'm also writing my own current mythology via existing. And time will tell to see how <laughs> well I did. Yes. I think you're doing great. I also Thank forgot you. to mention the first question was sent in by Arts and Pets 5. Mm -hmm. The second question was Willow175. This next question was sent in by J.A. Kilchuska. Apologies if I mispronounced it. How did you build such exciting and balanced adult lives? I'm 18 soon. Need advice. Oh. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't think of myself as a real adult, for starters. Uh, Same. And I recently had a birthday that got very existential for me for some reason. And I don't... The more I try to examine my life and be like, is it balanced? Am I doing a good job? The worse it feels. So on the mm. day-to-day, I try, I try just to follow happiness. And of course... You have to do things that you don't like. I mean, happiness in the grand sense, not happiness in like the the daily pleasures of yeah. But like you know, sometimes following happiness means I need to clean my house because a clean house does make me happy, right? But also, you know, we followed bliss, and now we have a podcast, so that was nice. Yeah, <laughs> I I will say, definitely, there are a few things that help figure out how to have a life that really thrills you or makes you happy and I think at 18 a big one to think about is are you someone who needs a sense of security to feel really happy in your life so maybe it's financial security do you need to know where your next paycheck is coming because you want to live in a in a place that's nice and you want to have your own place and not share with a roommate and be able to go on vacation and go out to f have dinner and drinks with friends and not worry about you know, money as much, then then maybe you focus on that knowing that you can use that to find your joy. I think that's something that I did. You know, I originally wanted to go to school for photography and then I realized I enjoy I IT and IT now lets me have the time and space and ability to do photography. And, and this podcast is a great example of that too. So I also know people who love their creativity Hi, it's me. It's my people, <laughs> she means me. 
Well, <laughs> well, you and and I know other people too as well. Like I know someone who lives with four people and works like six different jobs while supporting her dance career. Mm. And she's so happy because mm-hmm. she gets to do the thing that drives her and makes her happy. And I had to have that conversation with myself of like, would I be happy living with four other roommates trying to make photography a full-time job? No, I think it would make me resent photography. And I know that about myself. And so that's why I wanted to think through what sort of work I could do that I knew what I, I would enjoy. But knowing that in my case, I have a job that's just a job that supports the things that bring me so much so much joy like this podcast and my creative outlets and drawing and all of that but anyone who tells you that you have to have like the end all be all written in stone decisions when you're 18 is lying to you like obviously you do have to make important decisions as an 18 year old but yes there are so many more years (laughs) yes things change so much you know you have to at that juncture it's like do i go to college do i go to try to find a job you have to make that decision if you go to college it feels like you're locked into what you chose you're not you're not even locked into staying in college you're not locked into not going to college immediately it's the life that makes sense for you and it's okay for that to change i would say that there are very few choices that cannot be changed mm-hmm. uh, undone no but changed Sometimes it takes time. But anyway, we're not experts. Not at all. But I just I love that you wrote in and asked this question. And I'm very flattered. You think we have balanced and exciting lives because um, I think you hear about the most exciting parts and it makes it sound like we're just Mm -hmm. a lot more uh, interesting and um, balanced in terms of sleep than we are. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. This next question is from Pinoire Jr. Uh, Again, apologies if that's absolutely mispronouncing it. How many topics stayed on the cutting room floor? Very few ever really end up on the official cutting room floor. I Mm -hmm. think we just move things. Absolutely. We move things or we have a backlog of things that we want to tap into. But in terms of, I guess, for the season... That is a, a thing where sometimes things will get cut from the season and pushed to another season. Right. And that that comes out of what we're really excited to talk about or if we feel like we can um, make a fun series of episodes with a topic or there's something that we need to prioritize because we learned something that it's we feel is important to share. So sometimes we'll rearrange it that way. The cutting room floor for this podcast is usually us giggling and mispronouncing things, not entire topics. definitely this next question is from drugstore cowboy 13 what's your favorite episode so far and why i mean the medusa episode for me so easily i it's so cliche everybody knows i love that episode but why uh i i don't know i just love medusa i i I also hate athena like (laughs) right Um, I love her as a mythological figure, but if I were to have a personal vendetta against a deity that wasn't Zeus, it would be Athena. Um, I just love that story as a way to examine womanhood. Mm -hmm. Also, though, two that are coming to mind, there are so many that I love, but the biblical crimes episode we did where I did Mm -hmm. Samson and Delilah and you did Sodom and Gomorrah was really fun. Um, I loved covering the Hatfields and the McCoys. That was kind of one of the early heavy hitters mm-hmm. for me, I think. I don't know. What what are 
Oh, or yours? I ha- there's so many popping into my mind. I think one of the first ones is is Sappho. One, because it was yes. really fun to research. Um, so fun to research and put the episode together. But then also on top of it, any chance I get to write poetry, I get so excited about. And to write the poem in sapphic verse was really genuinely just enjoyable to me from start to finish. And then to get the response we did from our listeners about how much that mm-hmm. poem meant to them. Mm-hmm. That's going to stay with me for a long time, I think. Another one would be Inanna. I, again, had so much fun researching her, and it was a really fun story to write. We now reference Inanna a lot, I think, yeah. in conversation, just you and me. Yes, we do. We do. And I loved getting to write the story from the perspective of a woman proud of her age. Oh, that is the hill you and I are going to die on. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but recently you were gushing to me at my parents' dining room table about (laughs) uh, the espionage episode. Yes. That one. I can't believe I didn't think of that one. Yes. Because the idea of spies just – it's one of those things that fascinates a lot of people, myself very, very much included. And so to get to explore it from ancient times all the way through now and how people have always been people and that's how we've always sought to get power, I want to do like nine more episodes of that. I loved that episode because I got to research a woman who was not all good and, in fact, was in many ways very bad. But then afterwards, you just gave me spy science, which yes. is like, yeah. chef's kiss. All right. So the next question from Saker Hunt is, have you considered live shows or reading tours? Yes, we consider it. We whisper it to our pillows in the hours of the night. Tracy and I would love nothing more. We would love nothing more. And even if if we could start small and local, um, you know, maybe we can find a bookstore and do a live reading and stream it to our audience. But we'd need to, you know, do a lot of coordination on that and make sure that there is a uh, a, a way for people to really enjoy it. But truly, the literal dream, meaning I have dreamed about it mm-hmm. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah it's something we would love to do okay adams blend asks if each of you could interview one person from history real or myth who would it be i'm gonna stick with a real person just because we have a mythology podcast it's yeah. entirely too many dorothy parker oh yes you and dorothy parker i walked past that hotel when i was in new york city And Jamie and I both commented about how you played Dorothy Parker in high school and how ever since then, all of us just always associate you with her. I don't think that she would like me very much, uh, but to be honest, I'd let her step on my neck, so. (laughs) (laughs) She'd either love you or hate you and no in between. If you don't know about Dorothy Parker, she's worth reading about. But my favorite Dorothy Parker quote ever is mm-hmm. that she was challenged to use – she said she was bragging that she could use any word in a sentence, yes. in a witty sentence. And uh, someone at, went, oh, well, use horticulture. Like, fine, here's a word. And she went, you can lead a horticulture, but you can't make her think. Which is like – not the most women supporting women, but is also so, so brilliant. Okay, your turn. <laughs> I know. I I did not think about this question in advance at all, and I wish I had because so many things are popping through my head. But 
presuming we could understand them and you know you have an ability to communicate i would want to meet sappho mm-hmm. i want to know what the poems are i want to know what they sounded like in her original dialect what the music was seeing her play yeah that's what i would want okay uh out from left field maybe because i'm feeling powerful i guess do you think that you and i could in this version of the world interview zeus like, hey, bud, what were you thinking that time you turned into a rain of golden coins? There's no way. he it, If he has his powers. Okay, let's say it's there's two types of interviews. One where he has his powers, we'd instantly be, like, traumatized, killed. Literally roasted Literally with roasted with lightning. Not happening. If it's that he is just a man in front of us, like, his powers are all stripped away and we just have to interview him i mean i don't think he'd cooperate with us because like we'd absolutely insult the crap out of him but it would feel so good it would okay now we're gonna get into lightning round hattie san asks are there any podcasts that you recommend against the odds which is on wandering network uh and i'm currently addicted to uh oh wild things which was such a good podcast about Siegfried and Roy, which I didn't mm. even know were two people I was super interested in. Miniseries. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. The, there's two. <laughs> oh, for me, um, Sawbones. I It is absolutely 100% one of my favorite podcasts. Incredible. Uh, Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. It's medical history. Um, and that's on Maximum Fun. Oh, uh, another one that I would recommend... I'm thinking of so many podcasts popping into my head. Behind the Bastards is really interesting. Um, it is... You know, looking into these terrible people of history. And then another one that I am just very much enjoying because I'm me is uh, called Normal Gossip. And <laughs> it's two friends who talk about normal gossip and then call, like, people send it in. They call the people involved and get information. And so that one's like just a fun, silly thing to listen to. Ooh, Radio Rental. Um, mm-hmm. oh, but also like Pod Save America or What a Day. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I listen to NPR, their daily updates, NPR Politics. Oh, you must remember this. Oh, um, oh, twenty thousand hertz is old gods of Appalachia. Yeah, old gods, old gods of Appalachia, twenty thousand hertz. Um, and then um, wicked words. Yes. Oh, uh, the illusionist. Oh, okay. Oh, you're wrong about. Sorry, we're just gonna keep doing this. We love yeah. podcasts. Clearly, also yes. this is gonna sound absolutely absurd, but I don't know if you've ever heard of the Willing and Fable podcast. Those hosts are. So cool. They're so cool. <laughs> um, and Hattie San also asks, favorite coffee slash drink orders? Y'all know. I'm a matcha girl. Matcha with oat milk or chai with oat milk and pumpkin spice. I love – it depends on where I am, but I love a cappuccino. Um, if I'm at Starbucks, I go to Starbucks because I want like a fun drink. So I love the shaken iced uh, oat milk, brown sugar espresso. Mm-hmm. Um, drink orders. I love me a pink lemonade. This is my summer of pink drink. That's what mm. we've all decided. Uh, not the Starbucks pink drink. I actually like their uh, strawberry acai lemonade refresher thing. I love a pink drink. I love a pink drink. What can I say? I know who I am. <laughs> so uh, that and I, I love a good uh, cold brew. All right. So one of our patrons, Tom W., sent this in. And coming out of my COVID haze, I saw this email and he had a bunch of really cool questions. So Let's also rapid fire these. All right. Average lead time from recording to release. 
Um, when we are doing really well, it's three weeks because we've got uh, a good buffer time. And then uh, sometimes we fall behind and things happen and it's sometimes a week. In early seasons, in season one, uh, it was sometimes much shorter than that. I think our tightest turnaround was three days. Record, edit, release. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yep. 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 I, oh, my God. That was when I was editing and it was insane. You're a superhero. That was nauseating. Um, <laughs> so now we're much better. We like a three-week buffer. We love a three-week buffer. On average, roughly how long are the recorded sessions versus what's released? That's so funny. My mom asked me this today when I had lunch I've with her. I've been asked this twice recently. Yeah. It, it's not that different. I would say it's typically about um, 10 minutes shorter is what you hear than what we record. Yeah. It's so close. Almost exclusively, 95% of the time, just because we mess up something and, and we restart the sentence again. And sometimes we'll restart a whole paragraph and then I'll take up more time. But it's very rarely us cutting out the conversation or parts of that. Ten minutes sounds like a long time, but it, it's usually comprised of like someone getting up to stop a dog from barking. Oh, that's a lot of it. <laughs> messing up sentences. Yes. I cannot emphasize enough because... I think our podcast is produced enough that it, you, it doesn't seem like super candid in terms of like us flubbing as often as we do in real life. Um, mm -hmm. But the the words that we say, the content that we're talking about, the edits happen in us having to repeat it, mm -hmm. not because we're deleting things that we've said. We have got this kind of down in terms mm -hmm. of research and we just chat the same way we do in real life. Yes. Which I'm very proud of. Me too. Um, okay, so last one. Mm-hmm. We know you two were the nerdy girls in school who were all into myths, legends, etc., and that's awesome. Was there anything in particular that made you decide to make the leap and create a podcast? Mm hmm Interestingly, I don't necessarily think either of us would have been known for our love of mythology no. in older public school years no they would have known that we um we were shakespeare nerds they would have known that we were story nerds and, and like i was a book nerd for sure rowan was a theater nerd to the point where she was like writing her own plays that we were trying to put on at the school and mm -hmm. um so we're definitely nerds uh but i don't know if it was specifically around myths and legends do you remember when we would all like write descriptions of each other introducing the person as if they're the main character in different genres that was such a writer nerd thing to okay do. we were huge okay, i will say we were huge writer nerds everyone knew we were writer nerds um for, sh for sure we both had multiple journals we would carry around with us 24 7 we wrote poetry in it we do things like that we wrote each other short stories where we'd give each other a prompt and the other one had to write a short story about it uh-huh this was not for an assignment. Like, the more I say I this out loud. I had a poetry tumbler. <laughs> oh, yes, you did. I think I did too for a little bit. So I had done a podcast. I had done two episodes of a podcast that no longer even remotely exists. But I knew that I loved podcasts. And it it was really exciting for me to start one. And so Rowan knew that about me. And she actually approached me about starting a podcast because uh, she felt the same way about wanting to have that way of communicating. Yeah, I think I was like, pick me, choose me, love me. <laughs> I was like, why are you at 
why won't you ask me to be your podcast buddy? Um, no. I just remember saying something along the lines to you, like, you want to make a podcast? I have the mic talking <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Very nice way of saying I went to theater school and I can definitely help you figure out how to do a podcast. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, uh, we both research mm-hmm. well, I think, and quickly. And then the writing bit came along later. It was definitely born out of uh, we were home during the pandemic. We both wanted to find a creative outlet and podcast was it uh we we didn't even do it with the hopes or really expectations that like a ton of people would listen to it it wasn't like oh we have this idea that we'll be famous we just love telling stories having a podcast is a really good way to have to hang out with your besties (laughs) (laughs) yes it is and the tell me something good forces me to think so positively about my life that's been an unexpected benefit oh i love that Mm -hmm. so yeah that that's the q a that's the listener legends this is our first episode that we're recording after both having covid tracy tell me something good before i tell you something good i have something good to share with you no way and it's a five-star review i just put it Ah! in i just snuck it in so you wouldn't see it beforehand i love this I love it when we sneakily add things to the script. It's like a little gift. Oh my gosh. This is from C.H. Viz. I'm usually not a fan of unscripted podcasts. I call them blabbing podcasts. But Willing and Fable has none of the downsides of most unscripted podcasts. Tracy and Rowan are almost always talking about something interesting. Sometimes other podcasts feel like the hosts are just talking because they have a podcast. They know they have to talk. But with Willing and Fable, it's the opposite. They have a podcast because they have so much to say, and I'm here for it. They clearly put a lot of effort into the research on each topic, even citing their sources. They're also great writers presenting short works of original fiction every week, and they write absolutely enthralling stories. The main reason I usually avoid unscripted podcasts is uh, uh, because, uh, but um, they sound um, like that. But Hall and Harrison have the grace of professional public speakers, and it's music to my ears. I'm sorry. These have been our last names for our entire life. How have we never done Hall and Harrison? Not once. I... (laughs) Paul and Harrison? Are you kidding me? That's incredible. I feel, I just feel so invigorated. That's so good. That is the most in-depth, well-thought-through review (laughs) of this podcast. Unfortunately, my response to this particular five-star review, I have to stop myself from going, um, uh, mm, uh, thank you so much for liking me. (laughs) I know, I know. Thank you for calling our writing enthralling. Enthralling. That's a 25 cent word. (laughs) Minimum. Minimum. Wow, thank you. Thanks for the five star surprise, Trace. Absolutely. Okay, so now I'll tell you something good. And I'm not going to take what I think your something good is. So I'll say now that I am recovered from COVID and I'm safely able to go back out into the world, 
I've been enjoying going into the town nearby mine and I've been going with my mom and we've been hanging out and like there's a little pastry shop and we took the dogs there and then I went to a farmer's market today, took the dogs there in the morning as well and it's just so nice. The weather's nice here now. It's warm and I can kind of explore and it's been really, really nice. There's something about Pennsylvania where we grew up at this time of year where everything is just such a riot of green. Mm-hmm. So yes. getting to kind of go out and about for that makes my heart happy. I can I can smell it and feel it and imagine it. Mm-hmm. So Rowan, it's your turn. Tell me something good. Well, now I want to know what you thought I was going to say, because what if the thing you think I'm going to say is gooder than my something good? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to find out. Say yours first. Uh, well, I just got back from being in Pennsylvania. Uh, not with COVID, I promise. Of course, that's what I thought. Well, mine was going to be specifically that we got to see each other, but I figured you'd roll that into your Pennsylvania trip. Right, right. Uh, I was going to say it was seeing you, but meh, you're, yeah. You got to go I'm up just... to Vermont. I. It was not <laughs> just seeing me. <laughs> I mean... Are you five stars worth of good? No, I'm just kidding. I'm so kidding. Um, I'm sitting here like, yeah, no, I get it. I understand. You need to think through where those stars fall. And and I'm trying to tease you, like, stick up for yourself. You know, <laughs> um, so, 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 so. No, I got to go uh, for my birthday, visit my family and visit uh, Vermont and Connecticut and kind of go on this, like, tour of the Northeast a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it was so satisfying. I got to go to the Boston Museum of Fine Art, I believe it's called, mm. with my parents. And they had a Turner exhibit and it was fantastic. It was so cool traveling out of town just to go to a museum. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and then, you know, back at home, we all played our D&D game in person, which was like the e-core of the gods flowing yes. through my veins. Uh, I had to stop myself from not just constantly hugging Taylor, who I haven't seen in person in so long. I know. And yeah, and then you and I got to hit. You and I did some work. We did. We had a very lovely, and we'll both say it was, you know, it was lovely. I'm, I'm glad I got to see you and spend time with you. But I think more than that, we're excited about how productive we were in those times we had to see each other. Yeah, we killed it, which sometimes we don't kill it uh, when we're yes, hanging often. out. <laughs> sometimes Tracy and I just get so excited to be hanging out mm-hmm. that we, when we're in person, that we forget, and on Zoom. Sometimes, just no matter the circumstances, so we true. do have to remind ourselves that we have a job to do. Yes. Um, and we were working on The Wizard and the Rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy were some decisions made. Mm-hmm. I I so love planning, punishing our sweet, sweet little baby characters mm-hmm. for existing. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was all coming together. Tracy and I were like, yay, inventing turmoil, giggling and carrying uh-huh. on. <laughs> we're like, we need to make it darker. That was said many times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This has been the Mom Fit Jeans podcast the <laughs> casual sweatshirt version of mm-hmm. willing and fable the, the oversized t-shirt episode of relaxed fit chillin only spandy pants here yes <laughs> yeah yeah i am actively i'm actually dressed for that i'm in a in like i i am in a giant t-shirt neither of us can pretend that that is not how we often dress when recording but 
Thank you to everyone who sent in listener legends and who wrote us in questions. It really is so uh, revitalizing, invigorating. Mm -hmm. It's like fuel. I can't even believe I'm saying that, but it just, we had COVID and we were bummed and you guys all came through. So we really appreciate it. We do. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, stories grow with the telling. So if you like what we do, tell a friend. Or tell a foe. And we'll see you soon, okay? Thank you so much for joining us for the Willing and Fable podcast. This episode was written and produced by Tracy Harrison and Rowan Hall. That's me. Our music was written and performed by Taylor Ash. And our logo is by Jamie Harrison. If you ever want to watch or read what we're reading, head over to willingandfable.com for our show notes and custom merch. Or find us at Willing and Fable on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to join the discussion. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast using your favorite listening source. And check out Willing and Fable on Patreon, where we have more than a few surprises for you, including custom artwork, stories, and access to our secret Discord channel. And of course, join us next time for another round of original retellings and in-depth research on the history, mystery, and mythology that makes the world so fascinating. We're having a hot girl body problem today, huh? (laughs) 